You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Coming to you live from Augusta, Georgia tonight. Uh, different format tonight. We changed over. We um, got a new call-in number. We got a little bit of a different format. And um, tonight our special guest would be Mr. Bill Hood. We'll bring him on in just a second. Would like to uh, thank all of you guys for your support, uh, for listening in. Like to thank Chad Bobler and the Rate Per Mile Masters admins for filling in for us last week. Guys did a great job. I greatly appreciate it. We got caught on the fly with some things, and they stepped in like some true troopers and and took care of the business. So, with no further ado, we're going to jump over. We're going to jump into the uh, USDA truck market report for this week, and. The report is looking kind of uh, got some interesting things going on on the USDA truck market report this week. Um, there is a surplus going on down in Mexico crossing through Nogales, so you probably don't want to be in that area right now. There's a slight surplus going on at Mexico crossing through Texas, which is uh, uh, which would put you in the kind of like the Laredo market. I think the Nogales is, is actually on further down. Um, over at, at the El Paso market, I'm sorry. And um, everywhere else that's on the USDA market report, adequate supplies uh, in, in a lot of places, and there are three different cities that are showing a slight shortage, which I'm going to talk about those here quickly. The Upper Valley Twin Falls, Burley District of Idaho is showing a slight shortage. Um, Idaho and Merritt County in Oregon is showing a slight shortage. Yakima Valley District, Washington is showing a slight shortage. So those three areas, you may be able to find some very good uh, rates on some uh, produce coming out of those areas. If you go over to my company page, CrescentCarriersLLC.com on Facebook, there is a link provided right there. Follow us on Facebook, like us on, face on Facebook, and also... Um, so we're going to jump over into the areas that are showing a shortage for this week and a great place to be and get some pretty good rates out of when you see the shortages, you want to be in those areas. If you're moving any type of produce off, you can haul, uh, produce on your particular type of equipment. Uh, so Southwest Indiana and Southwest, Southeast Illinois is showing a shortage. Big Lake in central Minnesota is showing a shortage. And central Wisconsin is showing a shortage. So those are three highlighted areas if you're running all over the place. Those are things that you might want to pencil into your little book. You might want to end up in those places to try to see if you can get a really good rate out of those areas. Like I said, go over to uh, Crescent Carriers LLC on Facebook, and you will see the link there provided there. You can click on that. And we'll try and post those up in some of the groups as well. Um, jumping over to the USDA trend line reports for the week of August 24th through the 30th, the load-to-truck ratios increased for the three major equipment types last week. Rates remain strong heading into Labor Day weekend. Van rates stayed at $2 per mile for the full straight week, and reefer rates were also unchanged, but flatbed rates lost one cent 
to $2.43 per mile. So we're going to jump over into the demand for VAM for this week, and we're showing that VAM freight availability increased by a surplus of 11% last week on the spot market and truckload capacity slid 5.9%, giving the national average load to truck ratio an 18% boost to 3.7 loads per truck. Now, what kind of effect did that have on U.S. van rates? Well, that the national average rates of vans yielded a steady, uh, the national average rate for vans held steady at $2 per mile for the fourth straight week. This is a strong rate for vans in late summer, indicating a robust demand and relative uh, tight capacity for the season. The averages across the country coming out of the uh, northeast area, the highlighted market in the report is Philadelphia, showing an average of $2.04 a mile. In the southeast market, the highlighted area comes out of Atlanta for dry vans, showing an average of $2.12 a mile. Highlighted area in the Midwest is Chicago, Illinois, $2.26 on average. South Central, the highlighted area is Dallas, showing $1.97 on average for the dry van market. And out west, the average for dry vans out of the Los Angeles area was showing $2.23 per mile. Jumping over into the flatbed demand for the U.S. market, the load availability declined 4.0% for flatbeds last week, and capacity dropped 11%. The load-to-truck ratio increased 6.4% from 35.3 to 37.6 loads per truck. Flatbed demand is flatbed demand is beginning to reduce slightly, but remains strong. Um, should be able to really still be making killer rates on the flatbed side. So, with that said, let's see what it, effect that this is having on the rates. And flatbed rates lost another one cent last week to the national average of two dollars and forty-three cents per mile, which is still pretty doggone good. Um, the highlighted area in the northeast area comes out of Harrisburg, and the average is showing $3.81 per mile out of that highlighted area. In the southeast market of Atlanta, Georgia, the highlighted area there is showing an average of $2.94 per mile. Midwest and Rock Island, Illinois, is showing $2.95 on average per mile for flatbeds. And Houston, Texas, an average of $3.09 out of that South Central region. And out west, out of Phoenix, showing an average of $2.22 per mile for the flatbed. Um, and we're going to jump over into the U.S. reefer demand for this week. And it says that reefer freight availability increased another 6.7% last week and capacity added 1.4%, yielding a 5.2% increase in the load-to-truck ratio was 10.8 for the week. So reefers are definitely starting to warm back up a little bit across the country. It's starting to recover a little bit from the decline that we experienced back in August. So September is already looking a little bit brighter. Um, the highlighted, let's see here, reefer rate stabilized. The national average rate for reefers was unchanged again last week at $2.28 per mile, including the fuel surcharge. Reefer rates are 
unusually strong for this season, um, which which goes back into what they said earlier in the report of uh, indication of a robust robust marketplace out here for basically across all segments. Um, the highlighted areas and the um, for the reefer segment averages out of Elizabeth, New Jersey is two dollars and fifty one cents per mile on average. Uh, in the southeast, they have Lakeland highlighted. I don't know why they would have Lakeland highlighted, but it's only showing a dollar and fifty-three cents per mile average out of Lakeland. Um, they have in the south central region that's showing Green Bay area highlighted on average of three dollars and fifteen cents. And out of south central, they're highlighting McAllen, which we talked about a little bit in the uh, produce, showing that uh, they, that they have a surplus of trucks in that area, and the rate reflects it coming out of McAllen, only showing an average of a dollar seventy for reefers, and they're showing Fresno is the highlighted market on average of two dollars and eleven cents per mile coming out of Fresno. So that is a quick wrap up of the. Um, USDA and also the DAT trend lines for this week. We're going to jump over to, uh, let's see if we can get ready to bring on our special guest, Mr. Bill Hood. I'm going to go over and give you guys a little bit of background on Bill. Um, Bill is a leader and entrepreneur of several decades. Uh, before getting into trucking, he focused on technology and telecommunication skills and marketing and management. Before taking a break from all of this, he went to law school out in California. He managed the North American operations for a European data security software company. Fast forwarding to Bill's current endeavors, he is the CEO of Farm to Fleet Trucking, the company he founded five years ago with his wife, with his wife Lauren, and in just two short years, he took a business that many said would fail to be recognized by the TCA and Carrier's Edge and, best, and, and Carrier's Edge and the Best Fleet to Drive For program as a fleet to watch. This success did not happen by accident. Bill talked with more people that failed in the transportation business than those that succeeded. The background and the failures is what built the foundation of a business and model that others describe as the future of the transportation industry. Form to Fleet is a owner-operator-only carrier that expects a higher standard of its drivers. Imagine that. And many have already learned that you don't just apply to Form to Fleet. You have to be invited to join Form to Fleet. Now, that's, that's definitely a business model that we can take something from. Um, Form to fleet drivers are expected to participate in running their business. This has been described as one of the craziest ideas ever in trucking, and others that are highly invested in the status quo of controlling owner-operators is what makes all the difference. But in this industry of constant turnover, what Bill is most proud of is that they have less than 10% turnover. Bill resides with his wife, Lauren, and his two dogs just outside of Chattanooga. And if he is not in the office or traveling for business, he can be found a man after my own heart on the lake or on the golf course. And, yes, Bill was also a driver with over 1 million miles safe drive. So with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to bring on our special guest, Mr. Bill Hood. Bill, are you there? 
Yes, I'm here. Thank you for that introduction. And I want to start out by saying a belated happy birthday to you. Um, I know you're on the road with your family, but but uh, but I hope you had a good uh, birthday, regardless. Oh yes, oh yes, we, we we celebrated over the weekend. And just a quick note, um, everyone, if you have any questions or anything that you would like to jump in with, remember press the number one that puts you in the queue. My daughter had a meeting tonight, so we're flying solo, uh, and we'll just come directly to you. You can get your question or your comment on as we get to you. Um, so with no further ado, Bill, I guess let's jump right into it, buddy. Uh, um, you know, what, what, tell us some more about Form the Fleet. No, oh, okay. Um, you know, we're, we're a carrier. <laughs> so, I mean, there's no, uh, there's no magic to, to that. It's... Uh, but I think the difference out there where we started and uh, a little extra background about my, my wife as well, who's who's the core and the glue to the organization, is um, her and myself, we both work for world-class organizations. She was a financial advisor for Edward Jones Investments. <laughs> she worked for Motorola. Her and I both at one time worked for uh, Craig McCaw uh, back in the, the days where he had brick phones and, you know, and bag phones uh, and then right. AT&T. And one of the things that we learned through that, through our careers as we, we moved on is uh, some of these world-class organizations, it's, it's how they treat their employees, which really makes the difference in terms of the level of service these companies provide. And uh, having been in the trucking industry and, you know, driven for carriers where there's, you know, uh, armed guards and metal detectors and plexiglass between you and the people you talk to and, um, you know, the one thing she said when one of my business partners came out and kept saying, hey, you know, what's it going to cost to bring your wife to come in and, and let's grow this thing? And she she said that we're not going to be that, that type of company. We're going we're gonna to set standards and we're going to live by them. And, um, you know, if, if we can't have a business uh, in any industry where you can treat people with respect, then it's not a business we want to be in. And I honestly don't believe that there's any businesses business out there that can't be run that way. You just have to understand that you know, you've got to maybe sometimes protect yourself a little more because you've got more people who are looking to cheat you. Um, but we started out from that from the beginning, and that's uh, that's kind of you know where we started out, where we started to grow. Um, some of the other you know, things we talk about that is, Owner operators paid on a percentage. How often do you you hear about? Uh, well, yeah, I'm paid this percent, but I'm really not sure what the true percentage is because I don't know what the company is actually making. So we you know we give the rate confirmations right off the bat, so that, you know, I don't you don't have to bother about coming in the office and asking for the invoices. You know you're going to see it before it goes. Plus our drivers negotiate their own freight, uh, so you know they they tend to know the rate because they're talking to the customer. Um, a lot of a lot of what we did, we modeled after Landstar uh, in terms of I, I never wanted to put the pressure on a, a driver to uh, have to pick up a load because I have to get it covered. So if I have a customer, I can't I can't broker it or I can't turn it back. I'm not going to take it because that's where you start getting those positions of of having to service the customer, which puts you in conflict with uh, with the driver's best interest. Um, yeah, you know, once I'm proud of the fact that you know all drivers take months off at a time, 
but then there's times where you find out, wow, they had a mechanical breakdown or something with their trailer, and they never called you, and you're just thinking they're just taking time off, and you found out that, wow, you know, if they wanted to run, I could have loaned them a trailer. But, um, but yeah, so those are a lot of the core as far as what we have with, with Farm to Fleet, and there have been times it's been tough to, especially the customer, the direct freight side of the business. You, you get these great opportunities, but a customer wants somebody there every day, five days a week. They want four trucks, and uh, no, they won't let you broker it, and you know all these different pieces that they want, and, you, and it pays just incredible money. But you got to walk away because at the end of the day, it's you're going to have to find drivers that, that want to be there, and you're going to have a driver fall off. You're going to have to try to push someone to take a load when they want to go home. And, you know, so that that's probably been the toughest part about keeping our business um, you know, true to its uh, foundation. Cool. So let me ask you this question. I know to, to grow your company and to get as big as you are, it, it wasn't by happenstance. It, it you, you And we talked about tonight, we try to go over, we try to equip our listeners with different tools and everything every week on the uh, Racing Lane podcast. So what are some industry things that you may have been reading or some things that you kind of keep your eye on so that you can keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the industry? Well, the, I mean, the stuff that that you do, I, you know, I look at some of the same information. I, I listen to the things you have to say, and I, I probably, as far as for somebody who who runs a business uh, um, at, at my size and the amount of, of of work that I have to do, I probably spend way too much time on on social media. Uh, probably needs to be an intervention there at, at some point. But um, so there's that type of information. Listening to to other drivers, other uh, carriers, and owner operators out there. Um, but then on top of that is there's so much of the information that we get right now that even you know starting out here with what you're right. That's historical information, and um, that's great. You don't want to lose sight of that. You need to have that information. And um, you know, a great example of that is, is, in terms of of where historical information is is good, but if you don't know what you're doing, it can hurt you. Is think about produce. I think some you know pro, guys who haul produce are probably some of the best at understanding what really what their customer is. It's you know, melons last week coming out of a certain part of, of Florida may have been paying well, but if you don't know that it's started moving north. Uh, you could find yourself down in a dead area when it was great last week. So um, right. it, it's that not just a historical, but it's also trying to look forward. And and I I guess I where I've come at things a little different is I look for um, for what's happening out with customers, just like a someone pulling a reefer is and doing produce is going to is going to try to probably pay attention to what's happening uh, in produce. Is, uh, you know, is the, you know, lettuce coming out of uh, out of Salinas, uh, did they have a drought this year and it's going to be a, a, a tight market and there's not going to be as, as much, or is it going to be a bumper crop? We, we have interest in, in farming, which is part of our, our name. And this year uh, in central Illinois, the corn and soybean crop is, is is going to be astronomical. I, I'm trying to get a hold of every 
every hopper bottom I can to put trucks on to, to haul that because we know there's going to be you know great money made out this year on the trucking side. But I need to know that as far as what's happening in that in that market to be able to capitalize on that. <clears throat> so from our side, we're, we're constantly trying to trying to look out into into the the various customers and and see what's happening. If we know, uh, we'll take um, coming into July, which is historically slow. A large piece of that is auto plants shut down for two weeks, typically. Uh, GM had come out today. I think there were seven or 14 weeks they were shut plants down. They backed off of that. But you see that information, and, you know, July um, and, you know, August um, could have been, a, you know, could have been really bad year, you know, a year after coming off a great start. We really could have seen some some bad times because you look at the whole base. You have a lot of these uh, companies that, per, that are dedicated to the auto shippers. They're not in there, you know, messing up your capacity. That two weeks that they're shut down, a lot of the drivers take that time off. They put their equipment in. So that doesn't affect it too bad. But then all of a sudden, well, what happens when you hit week three, four, or five? Well, that truck need truck payment still needs to be made. That driver still wants to get paid, and if they don't keep moving that truck, they're they're going to lose drivers. So they're going to start coming into the market and uh, into other areas that they normally didn't do. And we're going to see a uh, a glut of capacity versus tight capacity. So those are examples of of constantly looking past just you know what what were the rates. I want to know what drives the rate. I want to know is there something coming down the line that's going to impact the rates and, and change the markets that what we see. And um, while we're all sitting and patting ourselves on the back because of these great rates we've been seeing this year, uh, that also uh, you know, scares me. You know, I, I know a small shipper who had $5 million in transportation spend budget and blew that out and spent $7 million in the first half of the year. Something's going to change at that company. Typically, transportation for a small company is the second largest expenditure, and when they miss their budget that much, something's going to change. And I want to know before it changes. I want to be in a position so if that's my customer, I don't get blindsided that they ended up going to uh, Menlo Logistics and uh, completely cut out all their, you know, all their people and the decision maker that used us and everything else. I don't want to know about that. You know, once Menlo Logistics takes over, I want to know about it before so that I'm working with Menlo Logistics so I can keep keep moving their freight. So that's a, that's kind of the areas where I try to, from my level, continue to focus on so that we can, um, rather than react, we can make uh, make good decisions to keep ourselves positioned as a uh, premium provider. Right. So, and and that's you know, I wanted to try to give out what I'm, you know. One of the things that I want to try to also do, one of our goals is we want people to be, uh, our listeners to be more of a uh, thermostat versus a thermometer. And and the difference between those two things with my crazy analogy is that, you know, a thermostat kind of sets the temperature and a thermometer measures the temperature. And if you are abreast on to different areas to pick up information, like, like you talked about, knowing where to be, when to be, and how to be, you know, uh, what, what type of equipment to have when you're there, then that puts you in a position of being that thermostat versus the thermometer, and you, and you get stuck in a bad market, and, you, and then you have to 
react versus being able to set the market. Um, backing up a little bit, um, I wanted to give a chance to highlight and also for you to maybe uh, drop some jewels on how you got started as far as, you know, how did you get, we got some people out there that are in the audience that, that dream of maybe growing a fleet or uh, maybe modeling, modeling something similar to what you have as your business model. How did you um, maybe get started and, and you know, where, where, where did you get your beginning at? Oh, well, uh, yeah, this could take a couple hours. I, I won't get, I won't get into, you know, the, the, the full details, but I'll talk a little bit about how, how I, I built the idea. Um, and also I'll throw out there is, is I, I love you know, talking to, to drivers and we're here in Chattanooga and, you know, anybody that's listening to this, they get by, they can maybe look us up, give us a call. And if you're coming through, you know, morning, you know, if you only have time to stop by the office, you know, come by and say hi, or if you have time for lunch or dinner or something, I'd be happy to take you out to dinner. Um, I, cause I always like to learn from other people and get to meet other people out there. But, um, my, um, I start. I mean, this business literally started from a cab of, of my truck, and um, what from my background is I was always um, years ago. I, I guess I'll do a story about as far as how I did. Years ago, uh, I worked for Sprint, and I, I was a global account manager. I managed Disney and Litton Industries. And if you know the story of Walt Disney and AT&T, you'll you'll know that AT&T helped build Disneyland. And uh, Walt had said, you have a a customer for life. Well, that is tough to be selling against (laughs) that that type of customer that's that entrenched. Uh, So what I had to do is, and I had a great mentor and leader back then, uh, what I had to do is I had to constantly look for information where I could find somebody in some division that was unhappy with the situation and to and to find a solution. And uh, I, I anything that came up, and this wasn't back in the day of the internet. I mean, the internet was around, but it wasn't a, um, as easy as it is now to, to find information. But I read everything I could. I talked to everybody I could that. That uh, was part of Disney. If, if I found out there was a, a some kind of association party where Disney people were at, I found a way to get invited so I could talk to people. And uh, I, fast forward to to what I'm doing or what I started doing a truck business. Fortunately, the internet was is a little more prevalent when I was in the truck, so I was able to read a lot about. I I wanted to find out everything about Landstar because I, I love their business model, and and I just I, I just. I thought it was uh, ingenious how how they set that up, and uh, and the the fact that you know I joke about you know people at Landstar you drink the Kool Aid you're a you know you are a many of these Landstar drivers are are absolutely fanatical so I wanted to learn everything I could about Landstar and I took that and everything I could about other large carriers and what was happening in the industry I listened to the financial conference calls and I would. I would take little bits and pieces of information, and then I, I would just, uh, instead of sitting in my truck and, and watching a video when I go to sleep, I, I'd be up for hours trying to 
trying to find more information on that. And one of those examples is uh, I heard three little initials on a conference call from Landstar that the CFO mentioned. I had never heard of it before, an organization called NLM that Landstar bought up in Michigan that, that serviced the, uh, the auto industry on the expedited side. And um, it, it started out as kind of, huh, what is that? And I started digging a little further, and it's like, well, it's not a lot of information. Then I started getting some more and more. And it was almost like it was this, you know, see these movies, or it was the, uh, the firm with um, with Tom Cruise as far as uh, there's this, there's this door that nobody knows what's be- what's behind there. And it, was, it was that way. You get to their website, and there's no information on it. Um, right. And so it took it, it took me about two and a half years to actually get myself a, a, a contract with NLM. And, and for a period of time, it was probably one of the most profitable accounts we had. Um, NLM has since been sold to XBO, and uh, we don't do quite as much work with them. But it was finding out information on other trucking companies and how things worked, uh, working in the social media, listening to what people had to say, listening to the naysayers that would tell you you can't do this. Well, when anybody tells me I can't do something, the question is why. Well, I've done it before and it didn't work. Okay, well, why? Well, it didn't work. Okay, well, then you don't know what you're talking about. But that, that person that says, well, I did this and I, I didn't have enough capital uh, my the first drivers I hired were awful, and, and they'd start to give me the reasons why it didn't work. That doesn't mean it's not going to work. That just means that, okay, I need to make sure I'm, I have plenty of capital. I need to make sure that my first drivers aren't, aren't morons. Um, and so I, I would take the failures of people, and, and the people who could tell me why they failed, I would look to say, okay, can, can I avoid that mistake? Not to say, I mean, I made tons of mistakes, but so in starting the business, I, I, I looked at the failures of others out there. And not to say I discounted the successes, um, but I wanted to find out, even the successful people, what, what they did that, that they would, you know, do differently. In, in my, you know, I'll tell you from what I would do differently. My first hire would be a uh, someone in the bookkeeping and accounting. Um, bookkeeping for a one-truck, two-truck operation is vastly different from a 5, 10, 30-truck operation. And you, you think if you're an independent owner-operator and you've got a lot of paperwork to do now, um, it, 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 you know, it's like rabbits. It multiplies as you get going, and you can quickly get behind, and you have monstrous... Uh, piles of paper we we know from from experience and to get behind there um, i I did very well as uh, my first uh, the first owner operator actually my first owner operator and I'll say this the the first five or so are are still with us and they're absolutely you know fabulous they're, they're I think all of them are I, I would have to go and look at the numbers but I'd say all of me except a one probably fall into the top 10% of, uh, you know, income. They're, they're all making six figures in terms of net after expenses. So uh, they, they do very well, um, but they were great. They helped me learn my business and helped me grow it, and I wasn't fighting the typical trucker BS stuff. What I was fighting, I don't know, I don't know fighting is the right term, but what I was, what I was gaining 
was knowledge about the market and what's actually out there. So instead of just me, one person on the phones talking and learning, I had five people out there gathering information and feeding it back to me on what they're seeing happening out there, what works and what doesn't work. Um, and uh, so that would probably, you know, that would be the other thing as far as you know, is past, especially early on. If you even have an inkling that this person doesn't seem right, pass on them. You want your first your first people to be good. Um, I, I made a conscious decision early on that I did not want to have company uh, drivers. I, I'm also I'm a fleet owner, and my trucks are not leased to my are not run under my company. I have them leased to an outside carrier uh, because I don't want any of those conflicts. There. It goes back to the base of I don't want the impression of an impropriety happening in terms of in my company. Um, but that's because I started out there. I just don't want to be a, you know, deal with company drivers back at that time. So I, I, I sat down and looked the difference between owner operators and company drivers. Um, I am very, especially in this day and age, I am extremely happy uh, that we did not go the company driver route. The, the um, you know, the cost of trying to, to hire and retain a company driver is is absolutely skyrocketing. And probably not quite as much as a uh, a, a team owner operator. Those are probably the most demand uh, out there. But uh, company drivers are very difficult to to get good ones and to retain them. So I'm glad we didn't go that route. Um, the other mistake is we we did everything uh, you know either private financing or cash. We built no credit. No corporate credit history, uh, so we're we're almost like we're a, in terms of you know a bank. We're like a you know a company that's in our second year because they don't see any history from us. I would early on. I'm not saying I want to be you know a big debt company, but early on I, I would have started building some corporate credit. So when I need you know, I've got a project and I need 50 trailers. Um, I don't have to go beg, borrow, and steal. I can call up Ryder or Penske or you know one of these large companies and say, hey, "I need 50 trailers and, and negotiate a rate." Um, and, you know that's challenging when you you only have a year or so of a credit history. So uh, you know that's something I would change. Is uh, you know even if it's just getting a Staples card, uh, do something like that. Um, speaking of, uh, we're gonna jump in real quick. Speaking of uh, Ryder and Penske and and, and all those, um, we we kind of teased it a little bit in, in in the open that we sent out to a lot of people about we were gonna discuss about three PLs tonight, and uh, and I, I kind of we in our private conversation I kind of said you know maybe doing I've been doing a lot of reading and a little bit of research and I've, I got to gather more information. But one big thing that we talked about previously on the podcast is direct customers, and is now with the shifting paradigm with the three PLs and doing all of the stuff that, that's going on with three PLs. And I think that you can definitely shed a lot of knowledge on this situation because I've seen a couple of posts that you put out on the uh, Facebook group. But is the are three PLs now become maybe becoming the new direct customer? Um, I think that they're they're probably we're going to find in, in the next twelve to eighteen months that um, back up a second. What I call a pure three PL. Three PL is, on one sense, a marketing term. 
um, you know, a guy who's a broker is technically a third-party logistics provider, but that that's not right. the person I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about that writer who goes in and takes over from the VP of, of transportation all the way down. You know, the VP of transportation is still works for the company. Everybody else on the org chart below now also becomes a writer employee, and writer buys the warehouse facility and, and handles everything. Um, that's that to me is a third party logistics provider. And there's I mean there's so many different variations of it. But I want to differentiate between that broker that calls themselves a three PL or even that, you know, C. H. Robinson and Landstar, they have pure three PLs, but then they also have pure brokers. So so to define that, you know, a little further, um is a 3PL going to be the, the next um, you know, direct customer? And, and I, I see that, uh, especially what we've seen the first half of this year uh, with what's happening to, in the spot market, um, all that has impacted the, the small shipper or the small customer more so than the, the mega customer. And I see that the 3PL now is, is a very attractive uh, offering to those types of customers, and so I, I would I would believe that yes, we're going to see that in the next twelve. Well, we've already started to see it in the next twelve to eighteen months. Um, and, and I'm I'm terrible with names. But I want to say there's uh, I think his last name is Harris. Um, I'll say Bobby Harris with Blue Grace Logistics. Uh, he's a I think he was the founder and the CEO over there, but. Um, you know, he taught. I, I've heard him several times talk about it. If I'm thinking the right guy, uh, about that, that the the um, the third party logistics providers are going to be the the net, uh, with small customers is where we're going to see the next growth in the three PL three PL game. It's been growing rapidly over these past couple of years, but. Uh, he he's one that's out there saying that that's next market. And so that's a, when someone like that says that, that means you have those types of companies are targeting those those accounts. And when that happens, it's you know it's, it's natural. It's gonna you know things are gonna move. Right, right. And and the reason I said maybe you know a different way of looking at uh, direct customers, maybe the three PL might be the new direct customer because. As smaller guys, um, if you're not actively, sometimes we, one of the things that I'm gonna, I wanted to come back to when, when we began to wrap up is a lot of us that get into trucking and get into be owner operators, we, we uh, become stagnated and we resist to come out of that comfort zone. And what I mean by that is, you know, the main reason that a lot of people got into trucking is because they wanted to have a sense of independence, but they also don't really like. Uh, are kind of antisocial in, in, to a degree. I mean, think about a guy sitting around in the truck all day by himself. You know, um, it, it's it's kind of a reason why that's what you you, you chose that different career path. Um, but what we're trying to podcast and everything is to equip the people that have bigger visions other than uh, just being the one truck. But if you do just want to be the one truck. Maybe you need to work on to increase your bottom line, developing a great relationship with some of these 3PLs because of um, – I'm, I'm reading an article uh, from Inbound Logistics. I'll post this later on, um, and it talks about three, the, the, the 3PLs in their different – they even list the client roster for a lot of these uh, 
three PLs and and just like I'll just run this one off real quick. Of course, everybody knows the top one is C H Robson. It, it lists off of, of some of their clients that they handle stuff for, such as Vizio, Commons, Phillips sixty six, Evergreen Packaging, Shell, Green uh, Green Cable, BJ BJ's Wholesale. Dole Package Food and John Deere, just to name a few. And I mean, but there are a there's a litany of other 3PLs that have. Uh, I mean, the client list. Um, when I post this, you're, you're going to be like, wow. And it, and it, and if you can develop one of the things that we talked about before, if you do, if you can develop that um, solid rock solid relationship with uh, that 3PL provider that become a go to carrier. Uh, with that 3PL, then then you can realize uh, some really great rates by dealing with them. Because um, going back to one of the articles that you posted when you talked about dealing with a rider and so on and so forth, maybe you can shed some light on that as well. Yeah, it's um, you know, the direct customer. Uh, and there's a couple things you can do. Is it's very difficult for small carriers, especially uh, even us. I mean, we're, we're pushing up close to, to 50 trucks. Um, and, and it's difficult for us to sit there and say, hey, you know what, UPS, I'm going to go after, you know, I, I want to I handle some of your, uh, your customers. I want to handle some Amazon accounts. Um, now, if I go through UPS, who's one of the largest third-party logistics providers out there, uh, and I'm running Amazon freight for UPS, who's being just paid to, to run that freight, um, am I not hauling direct for Amazon, or am I, uh, am I broke, getting brokered freight from UPS? And so it's, it's taking the fact that there's a different name in terms of who your contract is with. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it, it's still not a direct. But it also gives you the opportunity as a small carrier, even a you know, one-truck independent owner-operator, it gives you the opportunity to go up market on freight that, that you know, most of us would never even dream of. Even in our wildest dreams as far as our growth is that, that we'd be able to go after some of these accounts. But that third-party logistics provider gives you that opportunity because they, they put a, a, the ability in place to to be the compliance and, and make sure that the, the carriers they're working with are quality carriers and, you know, that they've, they've got the systems in place to work with, with small carriers where, um, you know, a lot of customers don't, don't want to and they're even now with, um, you know, with all the liability out there and what's happening around that but through vicarious liability and some of those lawsuits, um, they they still want now an extra shield in place versus dealing with 40 different small trucking companies. They, they want one one organization to deal with. So it it gives you the ability to to work with with customers on a direct basis that you never had a chance to. Plus, it puts you in a position when a rider decides to go to your customer and says, "Hey, listen, you know, we can do this." You're spending, you know, fifteen twenty million dollars a year. Let's say twenty million dollars a year on your transportation spend. I can do it for you for eighteen. Well, you know what? Very few customers are going to sit there and look at that and say, "Wow, I can take, I can make that kind of a ten percent 
cost reduction when last year I was over budget by by forty fifty percent. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at this option. They may not do it, but they're gonna look at it. Or a couple of years ago, a Ryder never would have approached them, or b they never would have even considered it because it wasn't painful back then. Now it's becoming painful. So yeah, these third party logistics providers are not only giving you the the protection to keep your smaller accounts and work with them. Uh, but also gain other accounts that you never had a chance to get into. Right. And and what led me down that path was that I was making sales calls. Me personally, I was making sales calls, and I, I made contact with some people at, at, at a company, and they directed me. They said, well, you need to talk to uh, Susie over here at XYZ Company, and here's her phone number, by the way. Well, I called and contacted Susie, and Susie was the – person that's, that basically was a 3PL that was in charge of all their shipping, and uh, I had to go straight through Susie in order to begin to haul any of their freight. But I'm able to charge just like it was a direct customer getting, you know, not necessarily, uh, uh, I'm not having to settle for the regular um, um, spot market, you know, which sometimes in some areas spot market is better. But I'm, I'm having, I had to go through uh, Susie, which is a 3PL provider, to even to, to haul that direct freight for that particular customer. So, and Bill, we got a couple of guys on the line that's uh, got some questions. Are you ready to take some calls? Sure. All right. Well, we're going to jump over, we'll jump right into it. I got a caller from the 770 area code. Paula, you're on the air live with Rico and Bill. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hello, caller. All right, caller from the 770, are you there? Hello? Yes, sir, you're on the air with Bill and Rico. How can we help? Hey, Bill, hi, Rico. How you doing? Good, good. Yourself? Yeah, just hanging in there. Just come back to the house right now, just off the road. Uh, I mean, I, I, I really appreciate everything you have those guys because uh, I'm just one of those owner-operators who own three trucks and sometimes having a hard time with the maintenance and I was trying to get advice and how you just keep up with the good maintenance because each time I get rid of a driver and put another driver in there I end up almost spending about five thousand dollars just trying to get it ready for the next person coming in. Um, I think that Bill kind of spoke to that a little bit sometimes you may you might be hiring. You may need to take your time in, uh, with the hiring process. And, I, and I'm going to fall back and kind of have to deal with maybe a more, much more of an authority on this, but I'll just say this real quickly. Um, you know, it takes – it's more expensive to keep hiring people than to hire the right person right the first time. And with that said, I'm going to shut up and let Bill jump in. Yeah, I mean, I, fortunately <laughs> – Fortunately for me, I have a, a general manager, and um, well, I, I joke and say he's, he's trucking royalty. We, we were very blessed to be able to uh, to hire him and bring him and his family down from Michigan down to Chattanooga. But um, so he manages a lot of that for me. So I, I'm probably shielded from some of that pain. Um, so you know, the trucks that, that I actually own that are that are outside, um, we have been we've been very fortunate that we haven't had a lot of turnover. So that, that, that's probably the, the biggest thing is, is not getting the turnover. But when we do, um, 
it really comes down to, uh, as Rico was saying, it's, it's hiring really the right drivers. And I know that's difficult. And, um, you know, it, I, I don't want to say, you know, money's a motivator. It's not a satisfier. Uh, and, and we, we, that's something that we have to constantly tell ourselves because we, we pay our, our drivers a ridiculously lot of money for what, for based on the industry on, on our company truck side. I and mean, we do that on the owner operator side, but, uh, the company truck side, we, we do that as well. Um, but guy can make a lot of money and if he's, if he's not being treated well, um, you know, we have one driver example is, he loves to make sure that he has his truck washed. And you know, my general manager will come back to me and say, hey, you know what, I'm not, you know, this costs me a lot of money every time we do this. And I, I said, listen, he, he cares about his truck. He, he wants to, if he, he cares about having it clean all the time, he's going to care about uh, taking care of the interior and he's going to notice if, if there's oil leaking in an area because, you know, he had the engine, the motor cleaned uh you know, three weeks ago, so it doesn't have a bunch of of oil that's that may or may not have been there for for six years. So that's one of those things that that, that makes the, the driver satisfied to be there. And uh, sometimes we bite the bullet and uh, you know deadhead them a bunch of times. I think uh, we have another driver who uh, you know his house burned down, and uh, while you know I'd love to be able to say we had the, the ability to to help him out more than we could, but you know it was. He was a team driver. It was you know, the next closest uh, airport he can get to because they were so f- far out. Is you know, we bought him a ticket. And he was on a plane back to you know back to his home and his family. Um, so it's things like that that you know keep drivers satisfied that that you end up not having the turnover. And you, so if you put that back to dollars and cents, if you have a new driver every year and it costs you five thousand dollars, but if you can turn that around and say, well, I can keep a driver now two and a half years, you're $7,500 ahead. So you've got some money to be able to play play there because you don't have to spend it on the other side. So, well, right. I'm lucky I'm lucky to keep them. I average my driver about a year and a half. They'd be a pretty good driver, you know, do the job right. And like I say, sometimes I'm thinking I'm over... Uh, give them stuff, you know. Even I get my wife be like, you, you let them get away with a lot of stuff because they work such hard. Like you say, I let them clean the truck with my, you know, whatever they want. I pretty much go meet them halfway to do it, you know. Yeah, but no, they're, I, they're, I, but I, it's it's the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, I, I do pay really well my drivers, you know. Yeah, I would always feel well, like yeah, I make more money on the truck than I do. <laughs> Yeah, so sorry about that. I've, <laughs> I know that feeling. So I hope that helps. No, just, but but I I do appreciate the I mean the, the knowledge you are putting through. Uh, and Rico, you, you say you're from Atlanta, right? Yes, sir. And uh, I, I got an article, um, maybe an article that I found that talks about the hiring process. And I'm I'm uh, <laughs> see if I can dig that up, and I'll post that for you as well on on uh on uh check out uh Crescent Carriers LLC on Facebook if you're on Facebook and I'll see if I can okay. post that article on there. Yeah, right. definitely and, we'll be uh, in touch, uh, in touch with, on that on that page. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And uh let's jump over to the area code nine oh nine. Caller calling in from the nine oh nine. Are you there? 
I am, and you know, my husband doesn't realize that I'm listening to this podcast because I told him I wasn't going to. So, Rico, this is Lauren Hood. Oh, you, you, okay. know, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I can have no sanctuary any place that I go. You know, it's no. just... It, it's... Sorry, baby. Sorry. Um, and, I, and I wouldn't have called him, but there's a couple things that, that Bill said that I'm going to just... I don't think he hit it quite hard enough, and, and probably some of those is because he doesn't see this in himself. Um, when you're growing a fleet, you're going to have massive failures. Massive, massive failures. And I can tell you, Rico, for me at least, there were so many times I wanted to walk away from this business and throw my hands up and say, I'm done. I am so done. Um, Bill has a great ability of not dwelling in the things he cannot control. He, rather than getting upset about the stuff that's completely out of his control, he focuses or refocuses on stuff that he can change that will move things forward. And as I was wow. listening to him and, and you guys, I wish I, could, talk, I wish I could have a repeat. I wish I could have a repeat button on what you just said. I hope that for for everybody oh, yeah. listening in, make sure you download. Make sure you download this and listen to that key part right there. I'm sorry, Lauren. I just had to. I, I just had to. No, that. no, you're you're good, but I was gonna say I'll say it one more time if you want. I mean, basically, it's, you can sit there and you can sit in your stuff. You can sit in your stuff all day and be angry and mad about stuff that's out of your control, and I, I am a victim of that, um, which is my fault. My husband doesn't do that. He moves on and says, what, what do I have control of that I can change that's going to move us forward? That has made a huge difference in our business. And I would say for me, if I were to run this business by myself, we would have sunk years ago. Years ago. Um, so, so basically, bottom line, you're going to fail. How do you deal with that failure is key. The second thing is finding yourself a mentor. Bill has some amazing mentors uh, in this industry and outside of this industry that have given him great advice. And within, within Farm to Fleet, we have set up a program where our new drivers are very strongly encouraged to pair up with drivers who are ahead of them doing the business well. That mentor program, that pay it forward, and we sell it as a pay it forward to the, to the guys that are older and doing as well. It's like, hey, dude, somebody helped you. So it's your obligation, and it's a company right. culture, right. to help somebody else. I think everybody needs a strong mentor. Phil has not mentioned, but he has amazing mentors. So that's my two cents. Baby, I'm sorry I interrupted your glory hour. We got the real boss to call in and give us the goods on you, Bill. And don't That's ever right. forget that, Rico. Don't ever forget that. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Laura. Not a problem. Yeah. And yeah, I, we got one more caller here, Bill. I want to jump over to you. You got something you want to say before I jump to the caller? Yeah, just real quick. It's, um, yeah, I... Fortunately, uh, because she, she backs me on that, and like I said, I, I spend way too much on social media and, and on the Internet and, and talking to drivers, but uh, you know, for me, it's um, there, there's a balance. It is definitely, it's a, it's a payback. It's, it's giving back because I, I've had so many people uh, give me uh, information and, and help me out. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, I, you know, 
people get to know me as a company. Most drivers, they they have to go through me to get hired. Uh, we don't have recruiters in our company. So, yeah, some of it is, yeah, there, there's some nice paybacks when I have somebody say, hey, you know, I've been, been following you for a couple of years, and I'm now I'm buying a truck. Can I come drive for you? Um, and I usually say, you can't come drive for me. You can, yeah. Yeah, I usually say you can't come drive for me, but you can, you know, I'm willing to talk about a partnership where we can come, you know, you can run under my authority. But, um, yeah, so it, it, it's as much as I, she's correct. I've had some great mentors and still have some great mentors. This is, this is my time also to, to give it back. And, um, you know, what's right for me and what I say may not be right for other people, but don't ever discount any information, even the information you disagree with, because that is information that you can reference and hopefully you can back up why you, if you can't, if you just think I'm wrong and your reason I'm wrong is because you heard it up at the truck stop, that's not good enough. But if you could come right. back and you can say, Bill, you're wrong because this, 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 and this, and you can give me the data why it's, why I'm wrong, more power to you, and that, if anything, I, I hope people that don't agree with me on, on many things uh, at least can can back up, um, you know, why they don't agree with me, because then they're going to build a strong business. So let's move on from there. Okay, well, Bill, I got uh, about a little less than, well, a little over two minutes left in the show. Caller, uh, don't worry, we're going to go a little bit over. But while we're recording right now, I want to give Bill an opportunity to um, give information on how you can get in contact with him. Maybe he can talk about it. Bill also has a blog that he does. Uh, so, Bill, with that said, we're going to take the, the caller that are on the line. Don't, don't hang up. Hang in there. We're going to come right to you. Uh, but I want to give Bill an opportunity to get that on the air before we sign off. So with that said, Bill, the floor is yours. Tell us all about how we can get in contact with you and, and your contact information and any other information you'd like to share with us. Yeah, um, farm2fleet.com. Uh, it's the number two, F-A-R-M, the number two, fleet, F-L-E-E-T.com. That's the easiest way uh, to get information. Uh, also, the truckingmba.com. That's my blog that I am woefully behind, and my marketing guy hammers me about that all the time as far as I, I'm not blogging quite enough. Um, that's two two easiest ways. Uh, you get the number and you call in. Um, uh, Ryan's my gatekeeper. Ryan can, uh, you say you're, you heard it on this, this podcast and you just want to talk to me about stuff, just set an appointment uh, to get you through to me. Um, and don't feel, you know, if you find my email out there in places, don't, you know, I, I'm pretty accessible. Just don't, if I miss it, don't, uh, don't think I'm ignoring you. I get about a thousand emails a day and sometimes I miss some things. So, so that's how I get all of us. All right. So with that said, it looks like we got a little, well, the lady just said it, we got 60 seconds left on the, on the, on air podcast. And um, so I'm going to wrap up and just say, uh, Carl, like I said, we're going to come to you in overtime. But um, I'll be posting a little bit later on some of the links, uh, some of the stuff that we didn't get a chance to get to. And possibly I'm going to try and see if I can't twist Bill's arm and maybe we try to get him back on for another another show because we barely scratched the surface. That power just absolutely <laughs> flew yeah. by. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's just fine. It goes by. It, it, time, time flies when you're having fun. 
But uh, yeah. but with that said, I, I hope you guys. I uh, thank you once again. I like to thank everyone again for the for the support. And if you're listening in, I'll you know follow us on Facebook at CrescentCarriersLLC.com. Like Bill, I'm hopefully behind on doing my blogging. I'm thinking about switching over to maybe doing video blogging because I hate typing. <laughs> but with that said, for the entire Les Truck team, this is Rico Muhammad signing out on the Rakes and Lanes podcast. And the recording session has just ended, so we have a caller calling in from 678. We're going to go directly to our caller. And caller, you're on the line with Rico and Bill. How can we help? What's your name? Where are you calling from? I'm Gavin. I'm from I'm in Oklahoma right now. Originally from Atlanta, Georgia. All right, Gavin. How can we help? Um, Mr. Bill mentioned he took his business model from Landstar and successful companies. I'm looking at Walmart, and their business practice is very similar to what I want to shadow behind. Can you give some more insight in that area? Can you explain, explain to me a little more when you say shadow behind as far as Walmart? At um, Walmart, their trucks come in, they go through the service bay, get checked out before they go back on the road. The driver's happy they don't hire anybody with a bunch of tattoos, um, long hair, nut, kneecap. You know, they're, it's just like their they're, they're, they're marketing is leading the white glove service of trucking. They're not just uh, put anybody they choose the drivers who they want, I've heard they take in maybe a thousand applications and maybe hire a hundred people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if here here's the challenge. Um and I I'm I'm blessed that I've got to that point where you know, I I don't have to talk to all hundred people but we probably offer um one to two percent of the people who who apply. So we've got to that point where we built up the reputation that you know what I say isn't just isn't just marketing. We actually have you know we back it up. We're not perfect, but uh, we we back up what we say. Um, Walmart is has that ability uh, as well. They've they have the um, they have the track record in terms of on that to. To be able to um, put people through a very rigorous screening process and, and make make choices that you know some people might feel is, is ridiculous. Well, what's it matter if a guy's got a tattoo? It doesn't mean they're they're a bad person. Well, well, you know what? They have their reasons. They and they they've been very successful and they they do that and um, you know, clearly they have a very happy and satisfied fleet. I mean, they have a very low turnover as far as in their fleet, and uh, I know they're making some changes in how they, they run some things right now um, because they're they're also, uh, with their standards, they're having a tough time hiring drivers as well, just like a lot of people. But um, so I think the biggest challenge is getting to that point where you can be that selective. Uh, it, well, I shouldn't say that. There's no challenge in being that selective, but uh, early on, if you need... Uh, to hire 10 drivers and you can't even get five that meet your criteria, then, then you, you, you're not going to, you know, either you have to make a choice of I'm going to stick to the, these values or I'm going to, um, I'm going to change my, uh, my selection criteria. Um, you know, I, I spoke earlier on that. I'm, I'm a fan of you, you don't compromise to your values. Unless you see that the uh, there have been many things where I've changed where I have been 
I've been convinced by people that, uh, that well, you know, what you're doing here, you could probably help more people or you could do a better job if you change this a little bit. And, um, you know, so not to necessarily be rigid with it, but, you know, make the decisions for the right reason, not because, wow, I need, you know, I can't find enough drivers, so I'm going to take the, the, I'm going to step down to the next tier, a lower tier. Um, you got to make the decisions for the right reason. So, uh, but, it's, you know, I'm, I commend you for wanting to, to go out and, and do do that because that's, um, um, you know, you're setting yourself up. That's that's what premium providers do. And when you're a premium provider, you can demand premium rates and the people out there that will pay it. Okay. Well, um, I spoke to Mr. Rico a while ago, months back, about, you know, um, drivers having they having a a, a a dream without a plan, and it and then it falls into a wish. And we want the success in life, but a lot of us can learn and to get the education to be that success. Because I mean, there are a lot of ships of dreams that have crashed at the rocks of reality that never even made it out to sea. Right, right. Yeah. A lot of people they they. And Bill talked about it earlier in, in the podcast. You know, he, he some of the things I didn't get a chance to really get into. I was taking my notes here, but what he we talked about earlier was making sure that you know getting in, in the right environment, talking to people, and, and some of the things that some of the stuff that uh, uh, um, George Heck has mentioned. You know, tell people about what it is that you do. You know, and, and getting a being able to come out of your comfort zone and doing doing the research so that you don't just. Um, look like a babbling idiot when you get in front of somebody you actually have to know what it is that you're talking about because the people that are in this industry that are the, the decision makers they can they can point out a fraud rather quickly you know by asking certain key questions and if you don't know uh the lingo or know how to talk to talk then then they they can pretty much tell that you're in over your head and now nah, I'm, I'm not going to trust my precious cargo and freight to this person because you know of, of oh yeah, I agree with that. So, so that's one of the you know, that's what one of the things that 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 Bill was talking about, you know, and and the key thing that he, another key thing that he talked about, um, that we talking about hiring someone that's bookkeeping, and that's kind of one of the mantras that we talk about everybody, even on on his level, which he's he's you know, uh, for for fleet, but we're talking about even as just one truck operator, the number, the amount of people that neglect and to do their bookkeeping and to keep their books up to date and rock solid and to know exactly where their profit and losses are, it separates the men from the boys, literally. The, the bookkeeping Absolutely. aspect is, 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 is uh, a key, real key factor, a real key factor, which, which was the uh, topic in my first blog, and I, I, I gave some uh, resources on that blog and uh, man, I think it may have been about a month ago since I put out the, my, my one and only blog, and I got to get back on the track like you be. I got to get back on and get on the stick and get, the, <laughs> get this thing banged out, man. But uh, yeah. that was all. That's all the callers that we had on the line, Bill. You got anything else you want to say before we wrap it up tonight? Yeah, I want to. What you were just talking about, that I want to kind of add to that because it's a you know, excellent point. Now, first off, is the, the piece about being able to talk about what you do. Um, so many owner operators out there. I, you know, I, I talk about you know just because you can drive a truck doesn't mean you can own one. 
their, their, their truck drivers have bought jobs. They're not business owners first and driving the task of owning that business. Um, you know, it's bad enough that they don't even know their numbers. Um, but they don't even have a business plan. And sometimes that can be daunting. We created a one-page business plan that has really answered four questions. And one of the questions, and I take this from my old sales background, it's what we used to call an elevator pitch. You get on an elevator and you know, right. kind of go from the first floor to the tenth floor, explain what you do. Um, you know, how many people who, who own a truck can, you know, go to a, a Christmas party for their, you know, their spouse's work, and and when someone asks them, you know, what do they do? Well, I drive a truck, or I own a truck, or I own a, and you know, okay. You know, let's move on to another conversation. That doesn't sound interesting. Where they can actually say something interesting. The nice thing about being able to do that and to have that where it rolls off your tongue and you've rehearsed it, you've said it a thousand times, is you do sound intelligent, and you never know. I mean, you don't know that the person you're talking to is um, is not the CEO of some company that just had a truck show up three days late for one of their best customers and they're frustrated because they don't know, you know, they're trying to figure this out and they work with three brokers. Opportunities are everywhere. You just don't know where they are. Um, right. Taking it as far as in terms of, you know, knowing your numbers, um, the it, it's, it's astounding to me. I mean, I, I talk to literally thousands of owner-operators a year, and I've I've mentored and I've coached everything from independent owner operators to even trucking companies that are much larger than mine, um, and uh, you, I mean I had a conversation today. What is your truck payment, fleet owner? What is your truck payment? Uh, I really don't know that number. Or I actually know right. his truck payment, his monthly truck payment. What's your daily fixed cost? I've got a hello. I got a load. I got a load. What's your daily fixed cost? I have no idea. <laughs> it's like, how do you run a business when you don't know those numbers? So, yeah, no, it is so critically important. Yeah, that's absolute. That's absolutely gold, man. I, I I hate we didn't get, get this part on to the recorded session, but uh, but we got a lot of people that are staying on the line with us that are listening in right now on the uh, listening on live with the the, the after. The, the overtime is what I call it, and, um, and that's absolutely gold right there. Um, but with that said, Bill, I guess we're gonna get ready to wrap it up for the night, man. Um, any, any any other things you want to say in closing? Or, or I just you know, I really I really appreciate it. it. Was an honor to be to be invited on here, and I had a blast. I had a great time talking to you yesterday, and uh, I, I'd love to do this any other time. Uh, um, you know, just just reach out. I mean, I'm typically this time of night. I'm I'm sitting in the office and, and arguing with somebody on Facebook or, or you know trying to avoid the, you know act, doing actual work. So um, you know, <laughs> reach out. Well, I'm not so, going to. I appreciate all you do. It, it's great that you do the, the work you put because I know I've been out there in the truck trying to run a business, and you know th- this cannot be easy. Uh, what you do. Uh, and I know many times it's from the cab of the truck. So being a person who's who's done more than just drive a truck and then go sit back and watch videos at the, at the end of the day, uh, I, I truly appreciate how hard it is what you do. 
So, uh, you know, kudos to you. I appreciate it. I appreciate. I appreciate you for coming on. Thank you for coming on, and, and thank Lauren. Lauren, we thank you for letting us borrow Bill for for uh, an hour or so and and pick his brain. And we appreciate your contribution as well. And Bill, we definitely want to have you back. Cause like I said, we we barely even got a chance to scratch the surface. And I want to definitely go in deeper on this uh on this three PL as as the new direct customer thing. Um, well, also with that, I'll throw this out there too. I'm gonna throw this out there real quick while I'm at. Is uh, I have my director of marketing. He he does uh, you know his passion is, is one of his passions is, is video, uh, and he he has all the equipment as far as do a professional blog. And uh, if you ever want to get together and you want to do a couple video blogs, and we can we can kind of um, you know go over this and uh, put together something that a little more in depth and. A little more targeted and focused, uh, you know. Invitations wide open. We'd be happy to work with you and, and put something together. So, cool. Just I appreciate it. Yeah, we might have to look into that. All right, well, Bill, I appreciate it. Once, I, I, I appreciate it once again. And uh, on behalf of uh, Kevin Rutherford and the entire Let's Truck team, we appreciate everybody for calling in and thank you all for your support. And everybody, you guys have a good night and be safe out there. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.